Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Talk Recorded live. Good evening. It is Monday, November 23rd, 2015, working close to the end of the year. And um, my name is Michael Clark. I'm not afraid to give my name uh, when I come on the and talk to people on the Internet. And um, we're here tonight to talk about the only true asset protection program anywhere in the world. Uh, an attorney can't set it up for you. A, a tax professional can't set up an impenetrable asset protection program. They only can set up or they only do set up statutory entities, which are corporations, U.S. or Canada, which are LLCs, which are yeah, LLCs, U.S. or Canada, um, partnerships, statutory trusts, etc. every one of which can be pierced very, very easily. And uh, so anyway, um, tonight's talking points are the trust certificates, which are uh, considered, in my opinion, to be the most powerful of the five components. Trust certificates, I want to read you some of the case law so you know it's not just me talking about it, okay? Um, First of all, neither trustees nor certificate holders can be held liable for the activities of the pure trust. In uh, 13 American Jurisprudence, 2nd Edition, uh, American Law Reports, paragraph 3, it says, It has been held for public policy. It has been held that public policy is not offended by permitting a business to be carried on by trustees who limit their liability to the trust estate, nor under the prevailing view do statutes authorizing limited liability partnerships and corporations by implication prohibit the creation of, t- of other types of organizations such as business trusts enjoying a similar immunity by virtue of the common law. In other words, um, if you're a trustee or if you're a certificate holder and the trust is attacked they cannot come after you. They, the trustee, the uh, they carried on by trustees who limit their liability to the trust estate. The only thing somebody can go after, if there's an issue against the trust, is the are the assets owned by the trust. Now, that's indifference to statutory trust because in statutory trust, the trustees are considered the owners of the property. So if they come after you for something, such as a living trust, a lot of practically everybody knows what a living trust is. But what a lot of people don't realize is the only thing a living trust does is avoid probate. It does not, um, it, it has zero asset protection. So if the trust is found, um, if there's a judgment created against the trust, the judge will tell you as the trustee to revoke the trust, sell the assets, and give the proceeds to the 
plaintiff in the case who got the judgment against you. So that's good to know. Um, the trustees cannot be held because they're only appointed trustees. They are not ownership trustees. A, a trust is its own entity. Okay, uh, the trust is owned by itself. Okay, in Heck versus Malley, 1924, the trustees have full and complete powers of management, but no power to create any liability against certificate holders. So whatever the trust is doing, whatever the trustees are doing for the trust, they in no way can create any liability against the, the certificate holders, i.e. the beneficiaries. Okay? And that's power that's that's good to know too. Um, because the the beneficiaries again in a pure trust have have, excuse me, in a statutory trust, have uh, they have certain um, powers. They can keep the trustee, they have control over the trustee. Here you don't have any control as a beneficiary. You're totally independent of the trust and the beneficiaries. In Hussey's versus Arnold, 1904, if in fact a true trust, and that's one of the alternative alternate names for the pure trust, that was before it was um, defined as a uh, contract trust or pure contract trust by in Heck versus Malley. If in fact a true trust has been created, if it's got all the, the the components, the shareholders are not personally liable on the obligations incurred by the trustees or managing agents. Okay. Um, in other words, whoever the trustees or, or back then maybe they had managing agents, they control the trust. Um, the shareholders or the certificate holders are not personally liable for the obligations that the trustees or managing agents incur on behalf of the trust. They can't come after you as a certificate holder. James Stewart and Company versus National Shawmut Bank. Uh, I don't know what year. It was held that explicit reference to declaration of trust and place of public record thereof in trustees' contract for erection of building on land owned by trust put contractor on notice and bound him by provision in declaration that persons contracting, contracting with the trustees of the trust should look to trust premises, not trustees individually, for payment of money due. Once again, it's saying that all they can look to for remedy of their of what it is there they may have a lawsuit against you for against the trust for they can only look to the assets of the trust for payment of money due not to the trustees okay goldwater versus oltman 1930 certificate holders of a contract trust enjoy an even greater immunity from personal liability than is accorded to stockholders of a corporation Stockholders of a corporation, if you own the stock in your name, you can lose them, okay? They can come after the stockholders. However, the certificate holders on the contract trust um, can't touch them, okay? Great immunity. The certificate holders, same case, Goldwater versus Oldman. The certificate holders in such an organization, Massachusetts or Business Trust, are not personally liable on the contract of the trustees on the contracts of the trustees once again state fact case law that the certificate holders cannot be held liable for anything in a pure contract trust which is a contract not a trust in reality as can the trustees and uh, the beneficiaries rather of a, of a um, 
statutory trusts, such as a living trust. They can tell the trustees as the owners to, to if, the, if they lose a case, to dissolve the trust, sell the assets, and give them to the person who got the uh, um, judgment against them. And then uh, from the foregoing analysis, it follows in this state, if in fact a true trust has been created, again, meaning all five components, the shareholders are not personally liable on the obligations incurred by the trustees or the managing agents. I'm sure by now you understand what that said. The shareholders, which are the certificate holders, cannot, are not personally liable on the obligations incurred by the trustees in a statutory trust. My friends, if you have, and I used to help people set up living trusts all the time because I did not know that the contract trust existed. Um, so anyway, if, um, if you've got a statutory trust, such as a, a living trust, a, a um, 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 crummy trust, a, a charitable remainder trust, an irrevocable trust, which is statutory. Um, if you've got any statute, and there's about 30 or 40 per state or province, they all have their own versions of statutory trust. But you can lose everything if you've got a statutory trust. You have zero, basically zero protection. So who can be a certificate holder? American jurisprudence again, volume 13, section 31, eligibility. The rule applicable to trust generally that any person having capacity to take and hold legal title to property has capacity to be the beneficiary of a trust of such property would appear to apply to business trusts as well. So all you have to be basically is competent. And if it's up to a lot of the wives, they may, they may, uh, they may question that regarding their husbands from time to time. Um, just kidding. The, um, so so they, the same rule applies to business trust. Anybody can be a beneficiary who has capacity to be beneficiary of a trust. You know, just have, have a little common sense. And uh, Also, tr in that same thing by uh, American Jurisprudence, trustees of a business trust are not disqualified from being shareholders, certificate holders thereof. In fact, see, this is where some people say, well, my financial advisor told me that if I'm a trustee, I cannot be a certificate holder or beneficiary, and my, my comment is always the same. Get a new financial advisor. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And, or send him to our Monday night call and educate him. So trustees of a business trust are not disqualified from being certificate holders thereof. In fact, Provision for ownership of shares by the trustees is frequently incorporated in trust ins instruments, as it is in ours. Certificate holders have no rights regarding um, pure trust assets. Parker versus Monomeric Trust. Certificates are personal property and convey no interest in the pr trust property. Guys, if you'll look on your trust certificates, which is the uh, in your trust one binder it is the last um it's the last parchment page i couldn't think of what we how we had them printed it's the last parchment page in the um um parchment printing of the trust okay is the trust certificate it says it right at the top and if you'll read a couple paragraphs down you'll see that you have no you agree that you have no ownership of the assets owned by the trust, okay, in that certificate. 
In Becker versus St. Louis Union Trust Company, um, the owner of beneficial certificates is not an owner as a stockholder is an owner, meaning that a stockholder is an owner is an actual owner. Um, owners of beneficial certificates have no ownership. A stockholder has owner in whatever company he owns stock in. Beneficial certificates, as we just mentioned in Parker versus, as I just mentioned in Montmeric Trust, um, has no ownership whatsoever. That certificate holders have no ownership, so the beneficiaries are certificate holders. They have no ownership in the trust property as well. Whatever in property held by the contract trust, nor do they have any voice or control or trustees. Now, that's a big one. Both of those items are mentioned on the trust certificate. It says you not only have no ownership over the uh, property owned by the trust, you also have no control over the, the trustees. You can't tell them what to do. You can't have any input into uh, appointing a new one. That's you as a, as a certificate holder, okay? Um, not you as a trustee. As a trustee for the trust, you have total control. As an appointed trustee. In Burchard versus First People's Trust, the declaration of trust in the case at bar is different from any hitherto, hitherto considered by this court in that the shareholders are utterly destitute of every legal right and every means of expressing an opinion touching the trust. That's why the trustees of a pure contract trust are so powerful. They have absolutely total control. Okay, So once your trustees are appointed, um, they're there until they decide to, to resign. Okay, So they have no opinion. Um, okay, and Balin versus Crenendato. The contract trust owns the owns the property and is a distinct legal entity. You hear that? The contract trust owns the property and is a distinct legal entity. So when people ask me, um, Mike, who owns the trust? You got somebody's got to own the trust. No, they don't. Um, and that's where people are are so ingrained in the statutory environment that they all the statutory trust they have an owner. And why do they have an owner? They have an owner of the assets so that they can go after that owner if they have to and take every every item out of that trust. Every item that the trust owns, they can take it. They say revoke that living trust and sell the items. But this here, the, the trust owns the property, not the trustees, not the certificate holders. It's a distinct legal entity. Beneficial certificate holders, beneficial certificate holders are not treated as co-owners of the property, as they are in a statutory trust. Uh, fair market value of the certificates. Now, this is an important one because a lot of people uh, wonder why the trust has no ascertainable value. Well, in a state of Anderson versus Commissioner of Internal Revenue, certificates have no ascertainable fair market value. They have minimal value to someone else. Bad bargains do not result in taxable gifts. See, that's that's right by the uh, right from the judge in in a case against the commissioner. Uh, versus the Commissioner of the Internal Revenue. Let me read it again. It's so powerful. Certificates have no ascertainable fair market value and have minimal value to someone else. Bad bargains do not result in taxable gifts. Commissioner versus Marshman. Fair market value, that was in, this one is in 1960. 
Fair market value is determined by property received by taxpayer and not the fair market value of the property transferred by the taxpayer to the trust. Fair market value is determined by property received by the taxpayer. In other words, um, in other words, if you're if you're the person that is receiving something from the trust, and it's not at fair market value of the property transferred by the taxpayer to the trust. Okay, which means that that even though it has a, a no ascertainable value, uh, they still can't come after it because you're not an owner, etc. American National Bank of St. Joseph versus U.S. Fair market value for the purpose of internal revenue law is the price at which seller is willing to sell at a fair price, both having reasonable knowledge of the facts. So in other words, as long as both people have knowledge of the facts, the fair market value, according to the internal revenue, is the price of which the seller is willing to sell. Anybody can say, well, this is the fair market value. It's just got to be a fair price, guys, and it's up to the seller and the person receiving those, okay, both having reasonable knowledge of the facts. You can't sell a million dollars worth of assets to your to your brother for a dollar. You know, they're gonna have to, you're going to have to have something fairly close to fair market value, but you guys are the ones that determine it. See, all this power is within the trust, and most of you have no idea that it's even there, okay? We've talked about all these previously on other calls, but it's good to go over them from time to time. Uh, Internal Revenue Service, Department of the Treasury. This is their definition of fair market value. Fair market value is the price that property would sell for on the open market. It is a price that would be agreed on between a willing buyer and a willing seller. You hear that? It's the price that would be agreed on between a willing buyer and a willing seller. It doesn't state a price or what an appraisal would say or whatever. You can have a house that's worth 400000 and you still may sell it for 200000 if you want to, okay? Because it's a, cri- a price that's been agreed upon between a willing buyer and a willing se- seller. And neither being required to act and both having reasonable knowledge of the relevant facts. That's the IRS's own definition, okay? So um, we've got a lot of things that are, that are um, working in our favor. Now, we've got a few more items that I want you to be aware of. Um, trust certificate tax obligations. The liability for income tax ultimately can be fairly determined without resort to mere estimates, assumptions, and speculation. When the profit, when the profit if any, is actually realized, the taxpayer will be required to respond. In other words, if, you, if the trust does have a profit, the trust, is, which it will be the taxpayer, is obligated to, uh, to pay the tax that they've incurred. Now, <clears throat> what you pay, what you deduct and all that is between you and your professional tax person, your tax professional, okay? Not by us. We don't do any of that. We know that in, in corporations and LLCs, etc., there are certain tax benefits. We don't determine what they are for you or anybody else. That's between, we just put the program together. Your tax professional will determine what deductions you may have or may not have through this, through this um, uh, tr- uh, trust program, okay, this contract trust program. The consideration was, and the promise of future money 
payments wholly contingent upon facts and circumstances not possible to foretell with anything like fair certainty. In other words, if you've got something that's going to be dependent on a future uh, happening, then, then they can't really determine what the tax is going to be. Um, let me get back to this. Uh, fair certainty. The promise was in no proper sense equivalent to cash. This is in Burnett versus, versus Logan, excuse me. Uh, let me start again here. The consideration was, and the promise of future money payments wholly contingent upon facts and circumstances, not possible to foretell with anything like fair certainty. I mean, in other words, at the time of the, the taxes are due, there are no taxes due because you can't foretell exactly what the uh, taxes are going to be or what's going to be paid or not paid. The promise was in no proper sense equivalent to cash. It was a promise to pay you. It had no ascertainable fair market value. There we go again with no with ascertainable fair market value. The transaction was not a closed one. Uh, same case, Burnett versus Logan. Certificates in exchange are not taxable until a realized gain has occurred. And what this means was that was you get certificates and they have no uh, they have no, they're not taxed until a realized gain has occurred. So if you're holding the, the certificates, they have no ascertainable value right now. But if you later sell those certificates um, to someone, then it has, an, then it has a, a, a factual basis. And, and whatever the, the tax due on the certificates is, that's what will be paid. If you trade for something of an appreciable value, then that's what will be paid, okay? You'll pay ta your, your tax professional will figure out the tax based on the value of what you bartered for, okay? And lastly, in that particular um, trust certificate, um, tax obligations, no tax is assessed upon the conveyance of property to a trust because it constitutes tax-free trade and, ex and, and exchange for trust certificates, which have only a contingent future interest of indeterminable value. The trust is not evaded or avoided. It is merely deferred. Now, this is where, the, in Canada, this really upsets me because the trust certificates have no ascertainable value. I don't think an attorney, um, and even Ed, I'm, we're still going around about this one. He can't give me a distinct answer. So as far as I'm concerned, see, in Canada, your trusts are statutory. They don't have certificates per se, not like this here one where you have no ownership in the trust. And you See, the super wealthy, my friends, put this together so perfectly, and they operate out of all the countries in the world, out of all, in, in all countries of the world, Western countries in the world, probably the other ones as well. But... Yet still, they, they try to say that when you, you transfer something of value and you receive trust certificates in return that have no value, and that's what the tax would have to be based on, just as it says here. When you sell the certificates or when you, when you gift, the, uh, not gift, um, sell the certificates or you barter of something of value on the certificates, that's when a tax can be assessed, not uh, according to this, and I have to, I, I couldn't find that before that case when I was talking with Ed the last time. I've got to, I've got to sit down with him because as long as certificates, which Canadian trusts don't have, if you if you transfer a piece of property other than your home, because there's no capital gains tax or anything on your home, but if you, and that's why that um, we can transfer your your residence to the trust 
with no tax consequences, okay? It, because it, there are no tax consequences. Um, but anything else um, that you would transfer? Now, I know in Canada, I, I'm, not, I'm not too good on what he was trying to tell me, but I've got a good idea. Um, we have a client that was trying to move a, move a, um, a business. Um, I believe it was a dental business. And it can't be done in Canada because that's one of those businesses that has to be owned by an individual. Okay, I can understand that for right now. I'm not even going to argue about it. If you've got a doctor or a dentist or, or someplace like that, a clinic, uh, something like that, where according to Canadian tax law, you have to, that, that entity has to be owned by individuals. Well, I'm still going to argue in the future, not right now, um, but in the future that equity is intangible personal property. And when you place equity, because it's personal property, it's yours. So you, it's just intangible right now. It's in, a, it's in an entity. entity. So that's going to be my question. But that is the one thing. No tax is assessed on the conveyance of property because it constitutes a tax-free trade and exchange for trust certificates, which have only a contingent future interest. So how can they, how can they tax on that of indeterminable value? The tax is not evaded or avoided. It is merely deferred. Okay? So that's, that's everything on the trust certificate. I hope you can get a good idea now as to why the, trustee, uh, the trust um, certificates are so powerful. Okay? Why they are so powerful. So um, if you have any questions on that, go ahead and type them into the computer or get them ready. Because right now, I'm going to, hold on a second, my computer um, timed out. Okay, all right, we are back. Um, um, yes, 20 has, has left the chat. How could you do that on something that important? Um, my goodness. Okay, if you have any questions now on the trust certificates or whatever, if you've got an STS program, I hope this is meaningful to you. The main things are that, that the certificate holders and the trustees cannot be attacked for any any um, uh, situations against the, the pure contract trust, okay? Hildy has sent and CRA has received trust number application, and they say they haven't got it again, even though both times they were signed for. <laughs> If you have a person, Hildy, that you... I don't know what to do. I mean, that's your Canadian government. I have no idea what to do. That's one thing I can say about the uh, IRS. Well, I can say a lot of things. Even even uh, Ed Gilmore and, and basically every tax professional I've spoken with in Canada has said that the, that the uh, CRA just run, runs ramshot over, over the citizens of Canada, and they do what they want to do. They're, they're pretty much against trusts. Uh, I guess, because it takes a lot of power and authority out of their name. So what do you do? Send me the name. If you can get somebody, uh, talk to them and, and tell them that, hey, I've got, I've got a signed, and, and send them to you, and so send them to them in an email and say, hey, look, both of these were signed for, and yet I haven't got my trust number back yet. Um, now, what I did here, what I did here, was that you don't need a trust number to open a bank account or anything because when you first file your taxes, 
that's when your tax professional applies for the trust number. And I've also heard that you can apply for it right in the beginning. Now, maybe this fellow is under the that you're dealing with, man or woman, whoever it is, is under the assumption that you don't get that tax number until you do file your taxes for the first time in the name of the trust. So, I would email that person specifically, whoever told you that, or I would call them and get a specific name and ask them to look into it for you. And I would then email them, tell them you're going to email them copies. If you can determine the name uh, that's, on, that's signed for that, then I would, uh, I would reference that person um, when you send the, uh, when you call them. Say, hey, I would like to speak too, blah, blah, blah. And if they give you any song and dance, just tell them that, hey, I've, I've got two things here that they signed for when they received my, my um, um, trust number application, and I haven't got it yet. What's the story? I will try and talk to somebody tomorrow, Lawrence or Lawrence, if you're on the call tonight, if you, if you have any input into that, you can type it right in and give us an idea of why we're not receiving, and that's another reason I've been a little hesitant about sending out the application for trust numbers. But I'm going to go ahead and do it now, now that we've got our answers prepared and the trust documents for Canada are all are all up to snuff. Um, now I'm going to start, so I'll send them out to anybody and everybody that needs them. Just send me, and, and Barb, even you and Lori and Sherry, if you would, send me the, uh, send me the, um, um, send me a little email stating, Mike, we want the trust number application, okay? Um, we'll get it right to you. I might have, might have sent you yours already a while back. So, Anyway, um, Central Minnesota, boy, you know, these people are going to get slapped so hard with bail-ins and stuff, and they just don't stay on the call. So anyway, now I, now I am going to, let me see what I got here. Okay, I'm going to read some questions that we have from um, people. Are my investments, RRSPs, Lira, which is locked in retirement account, protected? Um, where they're at, they're protected. And this is, this is true for the U.S. as well. Um, Social Security, pensions, IRAs, um, 401Ks, and, and all the other uh, CCPs and things in Canada. Any place that the government is holding money for you, um, supposedly they're all broke, um, Supposedly, though, your 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 money in those accounts are protected where they're at. That's according to every tax professional I talked to. Uh, so they asked me. They said, "Well, so as a result, you don't need to protect those." Yes, you do. And see again, that that is probably the simplest example, U.S. and Canada, of why dealing with a tax with a tax professional. They don't have a clue, my friends, about non-statutory trust, contract trust, or asset protection. They do not have a clue. They think that's as far as you can go. My IRA is protected. My, um, my um, LIRA is protected. No, it's not. Because when they start paying out from those accounts, the check is in your name. Now you are the owner. We all know that anything you own can be taken from you. That's the key thing about this program. That's the key reason this program is needed by everybody. Anything you own can be taken from you, including, 
when they send that check out in your name, you're the owner of that check. You're the owner of that amount of money. So they, uh, if they're keeping up on things, which they can do now, CRA, I'm sure, is just exactly like the IRS. Anybody that has any money coming, they've got staff in different staff for um, um, RRSP, staff for LIRA, staff for 401K, staff for, for Social Security, etc. And they've got the names, addresses, and phone numbers of every single person. Now, to tell you how bad these staffs are, at least in the U.S. that I know of, they've been paying somebody, some people, uh, that have been dead, a lot of people, thousands of people that have been dead. They're still paying them Social Security. Uh, as a matter of fact, I just read today that the Muslims in the U.S. are, and this is not a political statement, but um, the overwhelming majority, and it gave a percentage, I can't remember what it was, but are receiving um, benefits for four wives. Four wives. How incompetent is the U.S. government? And it has been for years. It just seems to be exaggerated with this administration, if you know what I mean. Um, and we, we need all they all say when they're running for office, we're going to clean up and get rid of the waste. Well, we still got the waste, my friends, and it seems to be more than ever before. We've got 50 million people on food stamps for crying out loud, and a lot of them, it's a joke. I've seen programs where they've interviewed dozens and dozens of them, and they say, hey, if they're going to give it, they don't more need food stamps than the man in the moon. And so a lot of them were working, and they said, if they're going to give it to us, I'm going to take it. What an attitude to have. It used to be people felt proud about working for what they got, you know. There are some people out there that legitimately need food stamps. And uh, there are people like the veterans in the United States, the wounded warriors that, that really need help. But yet we've got a lot of people that are just, I'm not going to say they're too lazy to get off their behind, but a lot of, there are a lot of them out there. And I'm not talking to anybody on this call. I'm just talking about generalities and uh, because they've, they've done. Anyway, I'm going to get off that. So anyway, yeah, you, you, you can protect those. You, what you protect is the check that comes out because you you um, you have an assignment of income that you put on that check. Okay, you have an assignment of income, and um, you fill out that, and and you have the right to protect your your uh, personal money. Okay, and that is your personal money. The government's just been holding it. I am amazed that people still do IRAs and and um, um, IRAs and uh, well, what's the other um, 401ks and stuff like that. I want control of my money, and I always have, and I've done very well. I don't put my money into where a government uh, does things with it, and the government knows then every nickel that's in that account, and, and it's mine, and they can raise or lower taxes anytime they want. Okay, it says here, my understanding that RRSPs and pensions with the proper beneficiary designations are safe from seizure, but that CRA can slap a garnishment on any income withdrawals. Um, they may be able to unless you get it protected first. And see, I'm going to talk in a minute about this GLGI thing too, just a little briefly on it. What it okay, what information needs to go into the request interest protection section of the form request for taxpayer relief, cancel or waive penalties or interest? I have no idea. That's between, now guys, if you're in Canada, let me, because of who CRA is and what CRA does, I will I will have the revised item for Ed Gilmore. I'm traveling tomorrow, but I will have it done by Thursday. I already have got it mostly done now. But but you've got a if you've got an issue, 
you've got to you've got to have uh, you've got to deal with Ed Gilmore first of all, and he will be the first to tell you. And here's the reason: this is going to be extended for a while, I presume, and everybody I've talked to assumes, um, just because of the backlog and everything else. And here's what I said a couple of weeks ago. This is regarding GLGI. If you get your program started now and you get a corporation set up and you transfer all of your assets to that corporation, and as long as there are no liens against you, no, specific, no judgments specifically against you, that's still your personal property. You still have the right to do as you wish with that property. You can buy, you can sell, you can gift, you can donate, or you can assign uh, you can assign or you can exchange your property for, for trust certificates that you now know have no ascertainable value. So you got to get that done and let, just let it sit there. Operate through the, through the trust, but with all... And every day after you get your program started, it's an insulating factor. In other words, that the corporation is going to own that and this is the same for LLCs in the U.S., by the way. If you've got an issue, get that program started ASAP. I don't care if you've got to, got to borrow the money, my friends. It's for your benefit. Uh, it, doesn't, it won't bother me one way or another whether or not you start an STS program. But it will surely, if you're involved in any situations, it will surely uh, kill you in the end if you don't have the program because you've, you've got no protection. And we're not going to do any more last-minute protection deals and uh, you've, got to, you've got to take the responsibility to get yourself set up ahead of time. And I'm not, I can't guarantee anything, but based on our record so far, I can pretty much tell you that the odds would be overwhelmingly in your favor if you've got your assets into a, a Canadian corporation or a U.S. LLC by starting the program and, um, and just let the days go by, let the days go by. And then more than likely, you know, you, you'll reach a point where – even if they come after you, hey, it's been a long time that, that our assets have been owned by this corporation. And everybody, every legal authority I've talked to in Canada and the U.S. agree 100% with that, guys. But if you procrastinate and you wait until the last minute, shame on you. You're not going to get the help from me. Okay? Um, but I don't know that, that question. Of, that's between you and a tax professional such as Ed Gilmore. And, guys, you just send me an email requesting his document and when they're ready on Thursday, I'll get with the staff member that's that's completing that. When they're ready on Thursday or and or Friday, let me give a little bit of wiggle room here. Um, we'll send one out to you right away. You send that to Ed. All you do basically is fill in your name. You're giving him permission to go into your tax files on their behalf, on your behalf, I mean. And uh, this way, see, he can. It's like an MRI. He does only a financial taxable. Uh, um, MRI rather than you know if you tell you as I mentioned to others if you tell go into your doctor and say doc I got a real bad pain on the lower uh, lower left hand side of my abdomen doctor's not going to say oh well okay that's because you got gas or that's because you got a tumor or this no he has no clue and neither do you he said he says almost every person without exception that has come to him and he asks him well what's the problem what is CRA really after you for they all give him and there's he said most of them are so far off. But once he can get permission to go in there, it costs you $500. It will be the cheapest $500 you will ever spend. I'm saying that for your benefit, not for Ed Gilmore's, okay? I'm saying that for your benefit. You need to know what's going on inside your tax situation. And he can then give you a, a thorough diagnosis and, and tell you what to do. 
to eliminate it. The one thing you don't want, U.S. or Canada, you do not want the, the tax authority of your country holding something over you for, the, for, for any, any more time than you have to do whatever. I don't care if you get a declared bankruptcy. I've done it. I don't care if you care if you got to declare bankruptcy. Get the IRS or the CRA off your back. Get some type of agreement with them, and they're done. Okay, um, because they will they will absolutely strangle you. Okay, and that's enough about that. But just send me, and I'll keep it in a special file. And then as soon as the as the little application is correct is revised, I will, um, and it's for for STS clients. I will. Uh, send it off to Ed. So if you don't have a uh, an STS program, he won't deal with you on this. We, we're working together on this here. If, you, if you've got somebody after you, the cheapest forty three fifty, and I know it's a little more in in Canada, but the cheapest money you're going to spend, and Ed will be the first one to tell you, he he absolutely loves the STS program. Okay. All right. And my primary is my primary residence protected from seizure and sale. If you get it sent into the Corporation, if you make the transfer, the quick claim deed into the corporation, yes, it is. Now, Bill and I have talked about that and um, for the U.S. clients. Same thing in the U.S. In Canada as well. See, in the U.S., we can transfer things at, at no value. It will be taxed when they're sold. In Canada, they're taxing when you're just sending it, uh, when you're just exchanging it to a trust. Even though, as I read you on that one uh, case law, it shouldn't be done that way. But anyway, your personal residence, yes, because there is no capital gains on your personal residence. So that's the way we protect your personal residence. You transfer it into the corporation. The shareholder of your corporation will be, and we set it up for you, the shareholder of your corporation is Trust One. You don't own it. So if they've got any issues with you of ownership, understand that's the biggest thing here, guys, that anything you own can be taken from you. The minute you don't own it anymore, it's, out of the, it, it's off the table. Nobody can take. Nobody can come after it anymore. And there is no tax basis on a on, in Canada um, based on on ownership of your personal prop, personal residence, because it you know, there is no taxes on that. Okay. Do not presently own your home as we sold as step one downsizing. Not ready to purchase yet. Dollar in our dollars in our account. What will CRA do with this? As soon as you start your program. Understand, CRA can only go after tax issues, okay? And, and and this is about the GLGI again. And the GLGI, but it's the same in the U.S. So don't everybody that's from the U.S. is listening tonight. Don't get don't get upset about this because um, it's the exact same in the U.S. Okay? Um, that money, guys. Whenever you when you get your program started. You, you do whatever you have to, especially if you're in GLGI. Get your program started, and that starts the insulating factor that moment, that day, okay? And then you open up your trust bank account, and you're transferring everything you own. Well, you own all the money in your what was your personal bank account, so tra- transfer everything out of that into the trust bank account, which you have total control. Nobody else has control except you or you and your spouse. Move that money into the trust account. Now nobody has any has any uh, control over that money. It's not you owning it. Not bail-ins. Not confiscation. Not GLGI uh, rulings. Okay, you've got to do it as quickly as possible. 
Um, anybody that's putting it off, if you have a source to get enough money, uh, like Ed told everybody at a couple of the different seminars, he said, guys, if you go to get this program through, you try to get asset protection through an attorney in Canada or the U.S., either one, you'll pay between twenty-five dollars and $50,000. He said, openly said, this is the best, and it is, it's the best financial bargain you will ever come across. And a lot of attorneys have asked me, why do we do it so cheap? Well, because it's not our, our objective to make a killing off of this. We just want, it's a quest of mine to help protect people. But, but you're the ones that have to help your people get protected. You've got to make them aware of this program. Or, or you've got to start your own program if you haven't yet, okay? Um, so get, start your program. Get the money into the trust account. And uh, it's protected there. It's not your money anymore. It's, it's your money. So, so it's not money that's in a citizen's account. You read the bail-in literature. It, they can only take money from citizens. Okay? Uh, CRA will seize bank as the primary residence. Again, without STP. It's not STP. That's an oil additive. It's, a, uh, it's STS. <laughs> okay. Uh, should we... Should we be buying primary residence immediately? Not in your name, in my opinion, because CRA will ultimately get your equity on sale. Um, no, um, not if you if you trans. Well, you can. I, I buy it whenever you want because here's the reason: once that property, you don't want to wait till the last minute. Um, if it, you don't have to buy it immediately. But transfer the money, like, like you said, if you've got the money in a bank account, transfer it to the trust bank account and let the trust buy the primary residence. That's simple. It's owned by, well, you can't, in Kennedy, the trust can't own it, but let the CR transfer whatever money you need to the, to the uh, corporation, the, the numbered provincial corporation, and um, um, as much as you need to purchase the house you want, and then purchase it. The corporation purchased it, not you. You transfer them. You didn't need the corporation, i.e., the LL, the, the the corporation owned the account that the money was in, not by you in any way, shape, or form. You can buy your your um, your residence as as soon as you want, as long as it's done through the corporation. Can I continue to rent and have a primary residence in another province for occupancy in a year or two? Well, it wouldn't be your primary residence right now. Uh, or in a, it wouldn't be a primary residence right now, so you can't transfer it to the corporation without a ta- with no tax basis, as you can a residence. And I'm certain that that, uh, like in the United States, you have to live in that residence one six months and one day, I believe it is, and you have to have your driver's license out of that particular state or province, and you have to be have your voter registry out of that state or province. So I would my answer to that would be no. Um, um, yeah, they'll they'll grab everything because it won't be protected. If you buy it in another in another province, it won't be protected in the, during the time you're not living in it. Okay, and if you do transfer it to the corporation, then you're going to have to pay whatever the capital gain tax is. Can investment savings be transferred to another family member to protect them from CRA or other creditors? Um, not if you transfer them. To, you transfer it to another family member. Um, that member has a car accident or anything that that a, a judgment a court cases litigation is brought up um, against that family member you're going to lose it all possibly to protect the CR from other creditors 
Start your program. CRA is not after you at this time. Start your program. Move everything into the trust, i.e., the the all personal property into the trust, your personal residence into the uh, uh, corporation, and and start the insulating factor at that point immediately. You should have, from everything I can see and, and heard from other people, a couple of years before the CRA even looks into the, the GLGI, um, and and they're gonna they can only do so many at a time. You may be down low, but two years should give you plenty of time for the um, for the protection to be there. Can investments savings be transferred to another family member to protect them from CRA? You know, why are you looking to to transfer them in a statutory member? Uh, in a statutory manner, rather, to other family members who are citizens. They can come after them, bail-ins, whatever. They can take money out of their accounts just as they can yours. The only way that I can see and that Ed Gilmore sees to protect your assets from the CRA or anybody else is to start your STS program and transfer them completely out of everybody's name into an entity that owns itself. You are only an appointed trustee. They can't come after you. You own nothing. Don't even think about sending them to another. That's one of the biggest mistakes a lot of people make in the U.S. too. Uh, the mother's getting older, so she puts her son on the um, on the um, on her 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 lien uh, on her house. You know, on the legal title of her house. Then the son has a bad car accident or gets a divorce or whatever might happen. Um, and the mother loses her house too. Okay, it has the they'll take it from her, um, or they do it to try and avoid probate. But you've got too many things that might come up in in the meantime. So you don't need to transfer to if you transfer it to another family member, guys. They are citizens. They don't have their program. Nothing is protected. Okay, and you've got to do that legally too. Um, here it's very legal what we do. It's a contract. And um, you're not involving and putting anybody else under the under the uh, scrutiny of the CRA or whatever. What about filing a consumer proposal rather than bankruptcy? I, I I apologize, but I don't know the rules of a consumer proposal. So that one I will leave between you and somebody that has more knowledge than myself. Um, I won't give you any 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 exact information on anything I'm not certain about, okay? Do you know anything about Tax Solutions Canada and applying for tax relief? No, I don't. Um, I don't know, but but I'm telling you, the guy that I've got, I know I've talked to a number of supposed uh, uh, tax professionals and tax relief people in Canada. Nobody, nobody surpasses um, Ed Gilmore, I don't think, especially if you're already in trouble. Um, but try, you know, deal with whoever you feel comfortable with. If Tax Solutions of Canada, you listen to them, talk with them, and you're happy with uh, what they do, they might charge you ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. I don't know. Um, but but if you feel comfortable with them, do it. Uh, what if we are joint signer? See, the key thing is the power. According to all the super wealthy, I'm giving you the exact facts and court cases. The power is in the fact that you own nothing you've contractually and irrevocably and legally given up given up ownership 100 percent ownership of your assets to a trust which is the most powerful document out there 
much more powerful than a corp and any statutory entity okay so so focus on the trust don't focus on trying to to skim under the radar and sure enough somebody's going to stick their foot out and they're going to trip you okay um, look into this first um, what if we are joint signer on a relative's bank account and CRA sees their account well if they got a case against you and you're on that account yes they can I have signatory powers co-signer on accounts with my mother and also with my aunt. Are there accounts and money in jeopardy of being seized? Yeah, if they come after you and you're an owner of that account, on that account, um, of course they could. Can they be considered to be my money? Absolutely. Now, I've said this over and over. Your mother and your aunt, especially in, in these conditions, guys, you need to help your parents get an STS program. Again, I'm not saying that for my benefit or to sell an STS program. That's not the objective of my calls. My objective is strictly to get as many people protected as possible before they get nailed. With bail-ins, if you think they don't, they don't look at some of the um, um, people, out, they, they look at everybody, but when they say, okay, these ladies are older and, and they've got a bunch of money in their account, Let's do a bail in there. They don't need that much money. They're not going to be around that much longer. Now, that might be pretty harsh, but I, I think there's probably actually people that think that and, and will act on that. Your mother should have an STS program, and your her your aunt should have an STS program as well, your, your mother's sister, I'm assuming. Um, see, now that's different than, than what the answer here is. Absolutely no, you are not the If you're on that account, if you're a joint signer on that account, that's saying that you own part of that account. Um, and if they've got something against you, they can, just like a business, uh, if one of the business partners has a car accident or something, they can shut down the business or is being, one of them is being sued for some reason. Um, they can shut down the business, and um, at least in the U.S., and I've been told in Canada as well by other people, I don't know how what their area of expertise is, but what if I bef die before all is settled? What impact does that have on my executor estate? Your, your um, STS program becomes effective the moment you um, send in your application. Instantly, you own nothing. You don't have to worry about an executor because there won't be any, any probate. You don't, and and um, the trust never dies. It eliminates, um, eliminates that tax for sure. Um, one must first determine what is in and what is out of the estate at time of death. Sure. Yeah, he's absolutely right, this um, Tony Merchants. But, guys, that's why you get everything out of your estate prior to. Everything. It's that fast. You send in an application, bam, your assets are owned by the trust, okay, and the corporation. So don't, you know, don't, don't go by what these statutory people, they mean well, but their knowledge has nothing to do with this pure contract trust that is all over the world, by the way, Okay. 180 degrees different than what these statutory gurus know about. And I was right in line with that when I was doing estate planning and, and financial planning. Guys, that's all I knew was the statutory laws. And I would have answered those questions differently. But remember, we're in a whole different venue right now, okay? Um, hold on. Let me get my screen back. So we're in a whole different venue now. Um... For the class action case, is there a representative plaintiff? Um, for the trust, are you talking about? I think you are. Um, 
if it's a, it's for the trust, they won't even know you have the trust. That will be against you. Okay, that's not against the trust. Um, so there's no representative. That that complaint will be against you in a couple years. So you're the one that's going to have to answer the questions. But when it comes when it comes time time to put up or shut up, that's when we will send a letter to whoever and say, uh, some time ago for estate planning purposes, Mister Whoever. And Mr. and Mrs. Whoever um, assigned all of their assets, um, exchanged rather, all of their assets contractually and irrevocably to name of trust one, comma, a pure contract trust. And then the second paragraph says we've assigned all your income. The third paragraph says that um, uh, trust services is the trustee and I am Michael Clark and the representative trustee. So that's when I come in if that's after you. But remember, if this, is, if this is going to be a class action suit, it's against you. It's not against your trust, your STS program. And, and that's the program that now owns and hopefully has owned the assets for a couple of years. When is a class action certification hearing? I have no idea. I don't know what they're talking about. Oh, oh I see. That, and you're giving the answer. Okay, good. Does class action case go before the tax court? I'm not sure where it goes in Canada. I'm not aware. I'm not totally aware of their class action um, laws. Okay. And then, lastly, on this here group of questions, what is the STS really all about? They hold all your no. They don't hold all your assets. See, you you, you didn't listen listen close enough, sir or ma'am, uh, to the the the, the um, conference call we had. They hold all your assets in a trust. No, we don't. You do. You, when, when we send you the documents and you sign them, you are in total control. The trust holds your assets, of which you are the appointed trustee, which is private and no one has access to the information. That is absolutely correct. It's a, it's a private trust. I mean, it's a private contract, not a trust. In schumann Hank versus Folsom, the judge said that... Um, um, the judge said that, that the, um, this is not a trust. It's a private con this is a private contract. And um, uh, on the base, it appears it's a private contract, not a trust. Okay, that's what the judge said. I don't remember the exact words now. Okay, so you have no ownership. You are only the, the appointed trustee, but you are also the um, beneficiary. Worst case scenario, you want to dissolve this trust after everything's over and you've got CRA or IRS off your back, you can you can dissolve the trust if you want. I don't know why you would ever want to because there would be tax consequences, capital gains, et cetera, et cetera. You want to, there's, there's been generations of the super wealthy that have lived their lives through this pure contract trust, guys. And that's what you've got to do. You've got to teach your kids to live. You've got to learn to live the way the super wealthy live and you've got to pass that on to your children, I don't know how many of you watched the special on Donald Trump, uh, the family, Donald Trump's family. He did not give those kids anything for nothing. They worked for everything they've got. They're very good business people, unlike the middle class, many, 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 many of the middle class parents give their kids new cars at 16 years old. Give me a break. My dad, when I got my license at 16, and I, this isn't one of those old I walked. 10 miles of school uphill both ways in the snow, blah, blah, blah. No, this is, a, um, this is about um, 
um, responsibility in raising your kids. They're not to be your best friends. They're supposed to be your kids, and you're supposed to prepare them for adult life. And a lot of us in our senior years now, we were fortunate because the country was still in that mode when we grew up. We worked for what we got. My dad bought me a car for my birthday at 16, I believe, a little over 16. He paid $15 for a 19, um, 1953 Chevrolet, okay? And it was a junk, but it was my car, and it would go 30 miles an hour to get me where I was going, so I appreciated it. Stop giving your kids, and a lot of parents I know, they don't even let their kids make decisions. They make decisions for them, believe it or not, you would. Okay, let me get to some of the... Um, let me get to some of the um, maybe, let me get to some of the uh, uh, calls, LD, some of the answers. Um, if you had a statutory trust, this is from guest six. If you had a statutory trust, then you have uh, the STS. If you have had a statutory trust, then you have the STS program. Should you void the statutory trust? Of course you should. They can get at everything that's in that statutory trust. That's part of your personal property right now when you start the SDS program. So you take everything out of the statutory trust. Hopefully you haven't recorded it at a county county seat or county recorder's office or something because then they'd know everything that's in it. But just transfer. Just do a minute order saying I do hereby um, invalidate um, such and such statutory trust and all of the assets held therein are now transferred to and you put the name of your trust one. Okay? Hildy, but I do need it because year end was September. I know, I, Hildy, I, it's not my fault they're not getting you that trust number. You may, if you go to your tax professional, he'll probably tell you, yeah, we'll file the taxes and then we will um, file for a, a uh, tax number. Um, Canada's the one that's holding it up on you. Get, get that, get under case a little bit. Say, hey, my year end was September. I need a trust number. Um, guest eight, you gave a good answer. Thank you. I uh, guess fourteen. I have it. Good. Let's see what we got here. I was told by an attorney. Okay, statutory, statutory, statutory. That if you get sued, they cannot seize your IRA money. Is this true? Correct, because it's protected where it's at. And what I just said, and that was a, that's a good question. I get to reiterate it a little bit. What I said was when they start sending checks out, they come in your name. You have, they can't take it while it's in the IRA money, but they certainly can, can go after your checks and garnish them, every one of them, until your debt is paid off, okay? Every one of them, because that's in your name. We protect garnishment against garnishment by assigning the income. Remember what they say, first in line at the courthouse is the best. Uh, you got to be first in line because by by... By doing the things we do, if you if you get your your program your STS program set up, it's not that hard to do. In a week, you'll have it all set up and notarized. The, the page is signed and notarized, and the, the assets transferred into the trust. Very simple thing to do, and and within a few days, really, you can have it done. But within a week, if you take your time, your program will be set up. Okay. Do you provide step by step instructions on how the STS how to set up the STS. Yes, we do. When you get your programs, there will be a spiral binder in there, and it is funding and activating the specialized trust strategy, step-by-step step for Canada and U.S., how to get everything prepared and get it in there, okay? Guys, especially those GLGI um, clients, I, they, they can be on you for years. They can charge you huge um, penalties and interest. 
you've got to you've got to get yourself out of that position, okay? Okay, the corporation buys the real property in Canada. Um, yes, a trust in Canada cannot own real property. But who owns the corporation? Who is the shareholder of the corporation? The trust. Water break. The, um, uh, the trust, in actuality, owns the corporation, so it owns the property that's in the corporation, which allows us to put the UCC and PPS liens on the properties, okay? Or on the, um, yeah, on the properties. And even the, um, the UCC lien, when you, when you file for that and register it, um, send it to the U. And we've got the address now where you send the 3150. I guess it's come down in price. I don't know. Um, you, you do that. Okay, guest eight. Land registry does not recognize a private trust in Canada. Put in, and it's not a trust. It's a, it's a, it's a uh, contract. Put in corporation owned by the trust. Absolutely right. Except for the fact that you called it a private trust instead of a private contract. Okay. But I know he did that, so everybody is clear on what Woody was talking about. Um, how can assets be owned by... This is guest 10. How can assets be owned by a corporation or trust as soon as we sign up as we don't have a court? Again, they are not owned... Oh, how are they put into a corporation or trust? Because this is all based on a contract. And and you and I can have a contract. We can make it, shake hands, and we haven't signed anything yet. But if we And I've done this many times in my steel erection company. I, I've had a um, work with contractors who have said, said, told me, hey, Mike, give me a price on this job. And I called them, called them the next day on the, after going over the blueprints and gave them the price on the job. They said, okay, it's yours. Um, come in a little later and get the... And now, even in a tentative contract, an oral agreement, which this is, not oral, but it's a tentative contract, then as soon as we agree, and you agree by sending in your application, that our, our um, creator of the trust says to you, if you will give me your assets, I in turn will give you trust certificates. Now, that's the offer. Your acceptance of that offer is by... Sending in your application. That's saying that, hey, I want this, uh, I'm accepting your offer to create this, to have your creator start this trust, okay? It's a tentative contract, pure and simple, simplest phase of law, of contract law, okay? So it takes about four to six weeks to get your documents to you. Most of the time we have them out in four. Uh, it's been a little longer here getting all the Canadian um, um, things resolved, but It'll, now that we've got them resolved and we get everything up to, up and running here, they'll be out in three to four weeks as well. However, the minute you send in that application, you send it in. That's your agreement to the uh, uh, on the contract on the uh, trust. That's your agreement to our creator saying, "Hey, here's my I'm 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 signing up. I'm taking your your uh, offer. Okay, I'm accepting your offer. We defer capital gain in trust when it's uh, when it RVs." but have to pay income tax on it, correct? No. Um, capital gain, when it's in the trust, the uh, the trust owns it, and when you fill out the uh, FinCEN 104 and do whatever it is that the, the, the bank you're dealing with agrees to, 
and they're all probably going to be a little different. Wells Fargo, Chase, uh, CIBC, uh, TD. Um, they're all probably going to be a little bit, a little bit um, different. Um, so you just simply um, fill it out, do what you have to do, and the taxes will be capital gains because this is an investment. This is not income. Remember, Bill Tully says um, income. Income something you work for. This you're not working for. It is an investment. I don't care what what your attorney or your tax professional tells you. If they tell you anything other than that, they could not give me. A, I would laugh at them. They could not give me a definitive definition of why it is income. You're not working for this. You you paid some money and you invested in the in the particular currency that you own. Okay, so it is not income. It will be a capital gain, which in the U.S. went up. Because thanks, thank you, Barack Obama, very much. It went up from 15% to 20%. You add that 25, uh, that 5% rather on, on the amount you're going to be receiving, and you can see that he robbed you of a lot of money. Okay. Uh, if we call, email Ed Gilmore, will he talk? Will he walk us through the STS? Ed Gilmore does not know the STS. He agrees with everything. We've discussed it many, many times. Um, Ed Gilmore is a tax man. Ed Gilmore knows all the all about taxes with the STS, and he he very vehemently told me when we were sitting at the hotel by uh, Midway Airport in Chicago a few months uh, a month or so, maybe two months ago. Gosh, time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? Um, he will only he will talk to you if you him to help you. He said, in the past, I've done things. Yeah, I'll talk to you. And he said, I got so overwhelmed, I wasn't making a nickel because these people weren't paying me anything. And I, I I certainly wasn't making any money off of their just asking me questions. Guys, we all have a job to do. Ed Gilmore's job is Canadian taxes. He, he really found favor with the, with the STS program, which is why he's on board with us, which is why he's allowing our client, our our clients that have STS programs to send in the form and $500, and, uh, and he's, he will send me uh, just a quick question, is so-and-so a client, um, and um, so he can check and find out everything about it. Guys, we're all where we're at because of the decisions we've made in the past. There is no getting around that. Um, uh, so all I can tell you is start if you're in a bit of a bind right now, we've all been there. I've been so broke. I had a, uh, I had uh, an old Polish lady that the bar, myself and the other iron workers would always go into after work. And uh, I asked her, I said, Josie, can you cash a $20 check for me but hold it for three days? Um, and she said, absolutely. That's how broke I was at that time. And, and a couple other times in my life I've been just as broke. We've all been there and done that. But then I, I picked up a copy of Think and Grow Rich. I read through that, and I started living my life as the successful people live theirs. That is the number one book. Trump, uh, Iacocca, Stanley Kresge, who started Kmart, <clears throat> um, all of the successful people I've listened to, all of them. If they didn't mention it in their talk, I would ask them afterwards. I said, did, did you read Think and Grow Rich? That's the that's the one I started with, Mike. You know, and even Tobin's, who who I had uh, met on. I said, Tony, your you know your 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 basic premise is like is think and grow rich, and he says absolutely. But he said I just say things a little different. Uh, some people 
can hear it says hear something said one way and they understand it right off the bat. Other people, it's like a bunch of broken eggs. But yet you say it a little bit different and they understand it now. Okay, so that's why my calls, I don't have any set pattern. I just talk and answer the questions so that if you didn't understand it a couple of weeks ago when I answered it, maybe this time you will. And that's why I answer questions repetitiously. Um, let's see. What form are we requesting from him for $500? Guest 10. Are you in Calgary? No, Ontario. Okay, I'll be in Ontario. Um, the 10th in Woodstock. And on the 12th, I will be in Kingston, northeast of, uh, I guess it's northeast of Toronto. And uh, um, on the 10th, I'll be in Woodstock, which is just up the rail. I'll be taking via rail to uh, Woodstock. And uh, gosh, I just hope there's not a whole crowd there wanting my autograph and stuff when I get off the train. Well, probably not. I don't have to worry about that. Okay. Um, so anyway... Let me read. We've got a little bit of time left. I'm going to read some of the questions on on the uh, email that came in through email. Guys, I will not get to all of them tonight unless you want to hang on. You can listen to them. Um, if not, I'll get them next week, okay? Um, I hope, okay, Mike, I hope that you, let me see if anybody's on the phone uh, lines first. Okay, hold on one second. Okay. I hope that you will take a minute tonight to explain what K1 expenditures, K1 expenditures are and how to go about doing one and how to where, and where to enter the K1 expenditure on the trust minutes. Um, if you give us an example and walk us, K1 is just like a dividend that's paid to a corporation, okay? K1 is a dividend that's paid similar to a dividend, except the K1 distribution is considered an investment, again, not income, and what a powerful tool that is for you. Because when you, you your, your trust can write you a K-1, you as the trustee, you can just maybe go to your your accountant, or if you do it, you write yourself a check for whatever amount of money you want. You can do it every week, you can do it every month, you can do whatever you want. And and just simply put on the check to yourself as, as the, um, uh, corporation uh, director or whatever, um, uh, you just put on there K-1 distribution. The nice thing is it is not income tax. It will be, it's an investment, so it will be capital gains, less than income tax, okay? Um, so don't, that, that gives you a tremendous tax advantage. You just write out what you want and you put in the member K-1 distribution and that will be, that will go on your income It'll go on your taxes at the, on April 30th or April 15th, depending on which country you're in, but it will be a capital gain income. Also, if you're on Social Security or RRSP, this has, you can earn, where you can earn only 14000 in the U.S., you can earn as much as you want. Um, you can earn as much as you want um, in the uh, distribution. You can earn $2 million. It does not affect your Social Security. It does not affect your RRSP. Um, Okay. Okay. Another one. In late, in late, due to another webinar on protecting yourself from glyphosate, received info. The Panama laws, retrust, and banking are are changing in January to align with FACA. That's fine. That's fine. You just will create a connect. You'll go in as a trust, and you guys, we're going to have to evolve and and uh, 
And I appreciate knowing that, um, Jeanette. I appreciate that. Um, but we've got an attorney there. Or you can find an attorney because you're going to have to start a, uh, a Panamanian um, corp anyway. And um, uh, you know what we can do if you want, even if you want to eliminate some of that, we can create a, uh, a pan. If you want to invest a few thousand more dollars, create after the payout and everything before you do it, create a Panamanian domicile STS program, STS trust, and um, and uh, take that over to Panama. Transfer everything. Uh, transfer what you want to invest in Panama there. Uh, transfer it from your current trust one into the Panamanian. Uh, domicile trust one um, no I guess you can't maybe you can't well anyway I'll check into that anyway you see my point guest eight a k1 distribution is the same as a t thank you I forgot about that a t3 distribution in Canada okay I didn't forget about that I didn't know that that it was the same but it makes sense I know it is really okay a k1 distribution in the US is the same as a t3 distribution in Canada and I hope everything else I said is correct, that um, they pay a capital gains tax versus an income tax, okay? Uh, let's see, what else do we have? I'm trying to get through as many as I can. I should add, please, do not take offense to this request below, as I don't know you. I believe you know what you are saying. I am host a little disillusion. I am lost, a little disillusion. I think, I'm not sure what he means. He said host, but I don't can you reference the portion of the tax act that makes this program legal? Is there any case law to reference? My friend, we've got hundreds of case law. I will send, I will, I, if I, I might've, I might've, uh, I might've um, deleted your, your um, email after I mentioned that I would be sent you an email saying that I would explain it on the call tonight. We've got a lot of tax law. Just, just, Text me back and uh, or email me back rather, and tell me the same thing. You want some tax reference laws? Hundreds of them, guys. I would not just use a little common sense here, okay? On my behalf, I would not be doing this call in front of attorneys, in front of CRA agents, in front of IRS agents. I know they listen in on the call. We know that very well. And um, uh, if all of this law that I was stating was not true, they would have shut me down in a heartbeat. I don't want to be a pain, but a lot of us have been sold a bill of goods in the past. So have I. So has every person in the world. We all go through issues where we get taken. And even after you have your millions, you're going to lose some of it. You're going to say, what a stupid thing that was to do. And um, so that's part of life. You know, we're all going to get, you just have to make your decision based on the facts that you know. The biggest being GLGI, we were led to believe it was totally within... You know what I say, what I tell people, anything that involves the IRS or the CRA, um, I wouldn't do anything. I don't care how good it sounds because everyone I've heard of has went bonkers, okay? Um, that's just a little bit of my personal philosophy. And I will be in Woodstock December 10th. Great. I'm looking forward to meet you. Oh, I know who you are. I remember now. I've established a bank account for my STA. You know what? Hold it. First, I'm going to... Um, go to Northern Middle Tennessee and answer his phone call. Hello, Northern Middle Tennessee. You are on the on the call. Who is this? Hello, Michael. It's Gary. How are you? Hi, Gary. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Yeah, I got a question. I've never really understood for sure. But me and my wife both have certificates. And what if something would happen to the other one? Would okay. Uh, as far as the certificates go, you mean? Yeah, I mean, 
Sure, I understand what you mean. And me, we've got a schedule, um, schedule D one in the documents you will receive, Gary. And the um, um, it, on there, you can list who you want the beneficiaries to be. Most people, on the first one, they say they type in uh, if something happens to one spouse or the other, the their their certificates go to the other spouse. Bingo. You get, and other ones list, and then you list your kids or whoever else. Uh, maybe you want a few certificates to go to a uh, church or a uh, Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts or, or Salvation Army or McDonald's House or something, you list who you want the certificates to go to and how many to each uh, each entity or person, okay? Okay, that's what I needed then. Yeah, total, you're in total control, Gary. And thanks for coming on the call tonight. I appreciate it. It's okay. Thank you. All right, brother. You got your program? Oh, yeah. I've had my program for a while. Okay, good. Thanks for calling, Gary. Okay. Okay, um, let's see. K1 distributions, can K1 distributions go to very, yes. See, the, the K1, the trust has the, has the right to, if one of your LLCs needs funds, then you send it to them, okay? You send whatever portion they need uh, in a K1 distribution. It, it, actually, it's not a K1 distribution to, a, to an LLC. That's only to beneficiaries. To an LLC, the trust owns the LLC, so it can send some money there just to help fund that LLC if it needs to. And again, your tax professional will know exactly how to do that. If he doesn't, go to Bill Tully. He's the best. Or there's no better. Let me put it that way. I've established a bank account for my STS, which was set up by you. I currently receive SSDI as well as a small pension. Can I get the money into the trust? Uh, is that a good idea? Yeah, you can do that. Uh, you want to assign the money to the trust anyway. But let me tell you, you don't. You just go to SSDI and um, the pension company. Just send them a, a letter or call them and tell them, here, I'm, I want to put my money in another account. Don't tell them it's an LLC or a trust account. Just say, um, I want to, if, it's, if it's deposited automatically, just say, here's the account number and the routing number. All you got to give them. And, um, you know, don't, don't ask them if they ask you what the name of the – you're just hoping – because if it goes, they, they have to send it to you in some way, shape, or form. <clears throat> they can send money um, um, to your trust, and it's got to go, you know, that you can put it right in there. I would send them an email or a letter and put the account number and the uh, routing number on there. Don't put the name because they won't send it probably. The odds are good they won't send it to a uh, um, trust account, even though you're the trustee and the beneficiary because they don't know how to do asset protection in that way, okay? Let's see. I'm still having problems understanding the way my preliminary trust is written. The way it looks to me, they will see that I am down as the creator, the trustee, and the beneficiary. They will and they will conclude that anything in it belongs to me. Well, that's what they conclude on every trust, okay? I realize that this is only the preliminary trust. It's not a preliminary trust. It's a very valid trust, but it's set up and worded in such a way that it is only for bankers because bankers inevitably, the overwhelming majority, think they know everything about everything, basically. Asset protection, blah, blah. And they don't know, they don't have a clue. They've never even heard of a non-statutory trust. But it is the bank, it is what the bank will have on record. Okay, how are they to know that the trust, ser that trust service is involved? How does it protect my name with me down? As it, you don't have to worry about that. It, the whole everything in that account is protected. The 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 
the um, the the documents that run everything are the documents in your binders, not this. The only thing this little statutory trust shows is that you were the creator. We've just I just changed that the other day. The creator is now Masters Protection Group. Um, so if you've got your your uh, if you've got the email when I revised sent you the revised living trust, just um, we're anyway. You can keep it just the way it is. It's working fine. But I realize that the, truly the creator is Mas, Master's Protection Group, and you don't have to give them any information about us. You just say that's the estate planning company that I had set up my trust. That's all you have to say, okay? But that trust is only set up. Use it the way it's, you're told to use it. You're in a deposition, deposition for all intents and purposes. That trust, you just give it to them and don't say a word. Just yes or no, basically. I mean, be nice. But just they always look and try to get as much information out of you as they can. So so don't give it to them, okay? Um, just here's my give them a copy of the um, of the uh, living trust, and so they can have it for their records. And then yeah, you're the creator, you're the trustee, and you're the beneficiary. There's nothing the matter with that. If you set up a living trust, you're going to be all three of those as well. That is no big deal. Um, don't worry about them knowing about trust services. None of their business. How does it protect my name with me down as creator? Well, you're creator. How does it hurt you? It doesn't hurt you. Yeah, you um, trustee, you're an appointed trustee. Beneficiary, you are a beneficiary with no ownership in the trust. This has me very concerned. Nothing to be concerned about. You're giving them just the information, excuse me, but that these nitwits ask for. They don't have a clue about non-statutory the most powerful asset protection in the world. They don't have a clue. So let's just stay within their their realm of knowledge, let's say, okay? Let's stay there, okay? That's why we put that together, because they wouldn't, many times they would ask all kinds of crazy questions that they didn't need. This here seems to satisfy them. People have been opening bank accounts with it in Canada and in the U.S. with no problems whatsoever. Just hand them that document and say, here, I'd like to open a, a bank account for my living trust. We have moved to Colorado and need to change it over. Oklahoma has closed the LLC there. Hmm. They wanted an updated address and we couldn't give them. My wife has talked to you and Bill about it previously. Not sure what to do. Well, we'll have to um, um, we'll have to open you a um, uh, a new LLC in Colorado. We'll have to open you a new Colorado LLC. That's all you can do about it. Okay, so. Um, um, get in touch with me, and, and I will send you a uh, um, LLC application. Uh, let's see, I have multiple. I've only got a couple more here. Multiple accounts managed by my financial advisor. He sells and buys different mutual funds in these accounts. I receive dividends from these accounts, which are redistributed, and also receive a monthly amount from these accounts as I am retired. Does my financial advisor need to know all this in is moving into a trust. Wouldn't hurt if you've got any questions, have them call me. Is there, but but you've got to keep your program. Ownership will be in your name. The only thing weak, because you can't, you'd have to sell everything and, and purchase it back um, through the uh, through the LLC or the trust. Is there anything he has to do? Not really, just help you uh, do the paperwork. Will these redistributions, buying and selling funds, receiving my monthly amount, still go on the same way as as nothing has changed. Yeah, if we if we only transfer the equity of your account, then nothing will change. The account will stay exactly the same, except the equity is now owned by 
you equity is intangible personal property, so it is now owned by the trust rather than you. My monthly amount per presently goes into my checking account. Can this be? It won't change. The exact same. You don't have to put it into the trust account. We're only going to transfer the equity of the account. Everything else will stay the same. You won't even notice that the equity. It's just a simple piece of paper. Okay. Um, I have some investments that are in partnership agreement with other people. Can this be put into the trust without involving them? It can be, but um, and we have a lot of people that do that. You just put the, the percentage of the investments that is yours, and we will we will um, um, set that in in Schedule B before, or we'll just assign the income to it, whichever we decide to do. Do I need a personal account, or can I use my trust account to pay bills, receive automatic deposits for my investments, pay my credit card, blah, blah, blah. Personal debt cannot be paid. Only anything that involves a trust, or whether if, you're in the, if you're in the U.S., it'll be um, um, to the LLC. If in Canada, it'll be to the corporation. Uh, are my credit cards part of my trust account? They, if you, well, see, you're going to be running your, uh, you're going to be running most of your accounts through the LLC or the Canadian corporation, whichever country you're in. Um, so you'll get probably get a, a debit card from that bank, okay? Whoever you, wherever you've got it set up. But you do need a personal account to pay for your personal items. They know you need clothes and groceries and personal items, so. Can I pay my bills from my trust account online, or do I have to? You can pay it online if you want. Yeah, but again, not the trust account. Most of the time, you're going to use your LLC account or your um, um, corporation, corporate account, okay? Um, can I receive all my direct deposits from my investments, from Canada Pension Plan, from Old Age Security? Yeah, okay, so you're in Canada. And retirement pension. Yeah, you can put them right into the trust. As I said a moment ago, you don't want to give the name where they're going. Just just get in touch with the people and tell them uh, that are that are direct deposits. Tell them you want them to go into this new account number and this routing number. Don't give them the name. Uh, so as far as they know, it's still your account. What happens when you retire, get sick, or die? Is there someone to take your place, or all of the above? Take your place as trustee. Yes, we have a board of trustees with about eight very good people on it. Um, will the yearly fee be part of MPG ever increase? It may. As our costs go up, we haven't. We haven't. Costs have went up a lot over the last nine years, and we haven't moved our costs up until just recently. So we may have to have to go up with that a little bit. But um, um, I mean, it's not going to be double or anything like that. We might add a, a few bucks, even up to a hundred bucks, depending on how costs go up for us. That's what we base it on. Um, do we order the application package from you, then send the payment when we send the package? Um, send me an email. Anybody that, that's ready to start their program, send me an email, and uh, we will send you a, a uh, an STS contractor application. Okay? Well, it looks like that's it. A lot of people are falling off the call now, um, leaving early. So, and uh, not early. We're seven minutes behind. With that, I thank each one of you for taking the time to come on the call. God bless each one of you. If you have any questions, by all means, send them to me in an email. And um, looking forward to next Monday, same time, same place. As I said before, God bless each one of you. Have a safe week. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving if you're in the United States. 
And uh, we'll talk to you next Monday, same time, same station. God bless. Good night. Good night, Mom and Dad. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit